and for about a half second there, I thought I prepared for the wrong service. I mean, I did joke with Pastor Billy earlier in the week that I <clears throat> wasn't quite sure what I wanted to preach on, so I was just going to go ahead and preach about the resurrection and let him figure it out on Easter Sunday on what to preach. But um, <laughs> if you'd open up your Bibles, we're going to take a look at Luke 19 this morning. We're going to um, take just a brief look at uh, Luke's account of, of Jesus coming in for this triumphal entry. I want to encourage you before we get started um, to take a look at all four. It's recorded in all four Gospels, um, and, and it, it's a great way to kind of see just different accounts of, of the same event, where different guys' perspectives and, and what they wrote about and what they really shared about it. It's, it really gives you the full picture of what's going on uh, here in this, in this uh, step in this part of Jesus' life. One of the things that, that I've always appreciated, um, just to give you, uh-oh, that's what happens when you use technology. Um, when it freezes, you got a problem. To give you just some, a little bit of, of context, because as we've been learning, right, that's important. Context is important. Jesus is actually on a walk. You know, he is, he's been actually headed kind of to Jerusalem for a while. And what I always found fascinating about Jesus is he always had time. Jesus always had time. Uh, I often find I don't have time. How many of you often find you don't have time? And if somebody asks you to do something, that's often one of your reasons, right? Sorry, I don't have time. Um, and it's, you know, it's a great reason because everybody understands it. Oh, yeah, me neither. I don't have any time either. You know, sorry I asked you. Um, but if, if you read through Jesus' life and, and, and you especially, you know, uh, the, this account here, you see that often he is going places. Often he is, he is walking somewhere, and, and the passage starts off, he was on his way. And in that, he always stops for somebody. There's never a place where Jesus is asked for something or talked to by someone, and he doesn't stop. And I was, I was just kind of reading this again this morning, and, and it just, I just wanted to, it actually has nothing to do with what I'm going to share about this morning. But I just want to remind you of that. That this is how Jesus lived his life. He set his life up in a way where he always had time. And it's been something, you know, especially since when the pandemic began, you know, and, and kind of in the midst of, in the middle of that, I began to realize, and, and I'm sure most of you did too, there's a lot of things in my life that I had made time for that really weren't that important. That weren't definitely not as important as I thought they were. And they were taking up more of my time and not allowing me any space in my life to stop to stop and to talk to somebody, to stop and to meet some needs, to stop and, and have conversations that might need to be had. Jesus never once, never once had that problem. He always had time. So that's a freebie for this morning. We're actually not going to uh, talk about that. But that he's on this walk for your context. That's where we started context, right? He's on this walk. He's headed to Jerusalem. We're going to pick it up at verse 28. Verse 20 said, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent, his, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Says, Say, the Lord needs it. Verse 32 is really a shocker. It says, those who were sent ahead went out and found it just as he told them. You know, when Jesus tells you something, usually that's how it works, right? <clears throat> As they were untying the colt, his owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. 
When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. They said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus replied, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city He wept over it, and he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will clash, they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Like I said, this is, is one of four accounts, and, um, and, other, and most of it is all, all identical. And a few other accounts, a few of the other accounts, the, the people are also shouting, Pastor Billy uh, made reference to it this morning, they're shouting, Hosanna, God save us. As I was reading this story and as I was preparing for this message, I began to ask myself this one question. Where would I be? If I was there, where would I be? And at first, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to say, oh, I would be right there. I would be right there. I'd be shouting, I'd be shouting, blessed is he who comes. Blessed is he, the king, who comes in the name of the Lord. Prince, uh, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Hosanna, God save us. I'd be right there shouting with them. And, and I began to think kind of how this might look. And actually, as we were singing this morning, I, I really got, I, I just had this, as I was looking around, not that I was watching you, but as I was looking around, I began to think, this is probably what it looked like, right? We even sang some of the same words. This is probably what it would look like, where people were gathered together, they were shouting, maybe they were singing, and they were all in one voice, and they were loud, and they were unhindered and, and uninhibited, and they were just shouting the praises of God. At least that's what it says here. It says, the whole crowd of the disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And we were worshiping. I was thinking, yes, yes, this is it. This is where I would be. This is what I would be doing. And then I had this moment of re- revelation as I was sitting here and, and thinking through it again. This is it. This is what it would be, but not here. Right? Easy to come and do it here. We're all expecting the same thing when we come in here. We're all expecting to worship. We're all expecting to shout the praises. We're all expecting. And we know that everybody else is expecting the same thing. So there's no worry and there's no doubt in our mind that it's okay to do it. But here, they're out in the middle of the road with a guy on a donkey. And they're doing the exact same thing. They're doing the exact same thing we were doing this morning in the middle of the road, in the middle of the Romans, terrified, right? They were wanting God to come save them. They were wanting the Romans to take care of it. It was one of the worst times in history. You know, we think we live in a bad time. It was pretty bad. We're getting close, unfortunately. And in the midst of all of that, they were doing what we were doing just now in the middle of the road. And it just keeps dwelling, and, and, and the Lord just keeps pricking my heart. You're willing to do it here. Are you willing to do it there? Or would we be closer? I don't want to accuse anybody, but 
would you be closer to one of the Pharisees that says, hey, you better get them under control. The weirdos over there that are singing and they're shouting and they're a little strange. It's not how we do it outside in the public. You need to calm down. You need to behave yourself. You're in public. I might not go that far, but I wonder how often if I saw a crowd like that, I, I wonder, and maybe you do too, and maybe um, this would be your response, like, well, I'm just going to take a different road. I, I'm just going to go down this way. So I don't want to rebuke them, but I'm not necessarily willing to join them and, and, and make a fool of myself here in public. It's one of the questions I keep asking myself over and over, and I keep coming back to the same thing. It says they brought, their, they brought it to Jesus, they threw their cloaks on the colt, and they put them on it, and as they went along, people began to spread their own clothes on the ground. They threw palms on the ground. When he came near to the place, it says, Mount Olives, the whole crowd began to joyfully praise God in a loud voice. It's really interesting, the next statement, it says, for all the miracles they have seen. For all the miracles they have seen. How many times has God moved in your life? How many times has God met you in the darkest, deepest places of despair in your life and rescued you, restored you, healed you? How many times have you seen God provide for you when you didn't think you were going to have the means to make it? Does it push you enough, though, to shout it from the rooftops in the middle of a road, to lay down your own clothes, and to let Jesus continue to walk? These people had seen Jesus work miracles. They had seen Jesus move, and they believed he was the Messiah. You know, those two things are massively true in my life. I have seen Jesus move, and I believe with all my heart that he is the Messiah. I believe most of you are in that same place. But what about the third thing? Are we willing to shout it joyfully in the middle of the road? You know, you were, Pastor Bill was talking about just now that these people really wanted the Roman Empire fixed. You know, how many would like the United States and the whole world fixed? How many of you thought of all kinds of ways to fix it? Yep, how many of you got like a journal of, of no? Okay. <clears throat> I, I don't have a journal. I've got an iPhone with <laughs> different ink. But often what we do is, is we think of all the ways that God would fix this, right, in our own mind. This is how it should be fixed. This is what people need to do. Here's what's wrong with people. Here's how they need to get their life straight. They need Jesus, but here's the things they've got to fix. And what happens is we lose sight of our role in life and Jesus' role in life. We become the people that want to fix it. We become the people that have to fix it instead of the people who actually are supposed to do two things as, as far as and when I read this passage, we're going to get to the second one in just a minute. But the first is simply to testify to God's goodness in our life. In the midst of all this going on in the Roman Empire, what they began to do was shout the praises of the king because of the miracles they had seen. They were giving testimony to what God had done. See, often we want to fix things, but it's actually the king of glory who is called High and mighty, he is called. He is called to fix everyone. He is called to come and to save everyone, to restore everyone. This is what he was doing here. He is coming to die so they could rise again. 
so that we may have eternal life. But often what we get focused on is, is the problem and the solutions that we think we can have or the solutions that need to be brought to it or, or whatever it might be. When what we're called to do and what they were beginning to do here was just simply shout the praises of God for all those to hear. To testify to the glory of the king. To begin to shout, here he comes, the king of glory. Peace is coming. That's what they began to do. They began to shout the praises of the king. It's like you picked the songs exactly right for Palm Sunday. Nice job. But often we want to be the fix-it people, not the crazy people following a guy on a donkey shouting his name. See, in order to do that, we've got to lay a lot of things down like our pride. Actually, maybe one major thing, like our pride and what people might think of us when we begin to shout the praises of God, when we begin to speak the praises of God in our everyday life, when we begin to testify about who He is every single day. That's what the first thing we're called to do. That's what they began to do here. They weren't trying to fix it. They were trying to praise the one who came to bring them eternal life. Jesus comes and he gets there and he begins to weep over the city. And he says, not only does Jesus say it's okay for them to be shouting this way, he actually says, if they don't, I'm going to make that rock over there do it. So it's not like he's just saying, oh, you know, hey, they're okay. They're not really bothering anybody. No, no, no. no. He's saying, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what I want them to do. This is what I've called them to do. In fact, I want it so badly that I'd make rocks do it. So it's not just enough to say, oh, those guys can do it. Somebody else can do it. You know, the real Jesus freaks. It's actually all of us. No matter the kind of uh, personality you have, introvert, extrovert, it doesn't matter. This is what God's called us to do. And he tells you, he says that he weeps over the city. And part of it is he does, the people there don't realize the peace that is coming. And now it's hidden from them. And it's really interesting. It says, they will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave another stone unturned because they did not recognize the time of God's coming. I f often feel like that. That things, that, that the enemy is, is, is out and is coming after us. And he's coming after our children. When I read this, my heart dropped because I realized I'm concerned for my children. I'm concerned for the world they're going to grow up in, and I'm concerned that I'm going to teach them well enough and show them, you know, how to follow after God right and how to listen to his voice and how to boldly move. And I realize what I really need to be doing with all that is, is I need to start by just proclaiming the name of the Lord, teaching my children. It's okay. It's okay in your group of friends to say, I love Jesus, that Jesus saved my soul that I try to follow after Jesus. I don't do these things. You know why I don't do these things? Not because my mom and dad told, but Jesus. If I can teach my kids that, they begin to live in this world and bring peace. That's what we're called to be doing. And the second comes right after this. If you keep reading in the rest of the chapter, immediately after this says, Jesus went to the temple courts and began to drive out those who were selling. He said, Is it, isn't it written? He said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the leaders among them were trying to kill him. 
Yet they could not find a way to do it because all the people hung on his words. This is the second thing that we're called to do. If you're wondering, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to do? It's right here. It's to be getting on our knees and calling out the name of the Lord for ourselves, for our family, for our city. You know, it's really interesting. I, I, you know, since you've been talking about this, it's just come up every day, almost every day when I read the word. Here, Jesus quotes scripture. This is what he quotes. It's right out of Isaiah. He quotes, isn't it written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers. You know, and, and Pastor Billy is saying it's not enough just to speak it. It's not enough just to, just to say it. It's not enough just to think it, but you have to do something. And that's what Jesus did here. He didn't just quote it and walk away. He actually cleansed the temple, right? He took them all out. And then he began to teach in the temple every day. And that's what we're called to do. We are called to cleanse the temple. We're called to pray every day for ourselves, for our families, and to intercede on the behalf of all those who are around us. This is what he calls us to do. And it's probably the most important thing we can do because out of those places, when we begin to worship the Lord and lay everything down and we begin to pray and ask him, that's where we begin to hear our steps. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. Those are the things he tells us to do. It's in those places he begins to tell us, here's what I need you to physically do. Here's where I need you to go. Here's the people I need you to talk to or pray for or work with or whatever it might be. It's in those places. But often what we want to do is jump to the end and get to the fix it part. And God is saying, please. He's saying, please, just come and be at my feet. Come and pray in this house together so that we may move out. I want to challenge you over the next couple of weeks to make these your two priorities. When your feet hit the floor to begin to sing praises to the Lord, when you have the opportunity in, in your life outside of your house and outside of the walls of the church to sing praises to the Lord, to testify of his name. And I'm asking you to commit to praying. Commit to praying for one another. Commit to praying for those that are around you. Commit to praying for our leaders, our officials, for our world. That's our role. And then Jesus comes in, and he restores, and he renews, and he refreshes people's lives. He is the one who changes their heart. Not you and I. Yeah, sure, we're called to to talk to people and to point things out. Yes, absolutely. But even, I don't know about you, when somebody points something out in my life, I begin to change not because that person said something, but when that person says something, the Holy Spirit says, it's true. And God begins to work on my heart. So let Jesus do his thing while we do our thing. Do what he calls you to do. Testify to his goodness each and every day. And come to the house of the Lord and gather together and pray. Pray for each other. Pray for those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you.